Dion Clifton is the owner of Live Real Estate Group. In this episode, we discuss how she started her brokerage company, how she teaches sales at the University of Illinois, and her Airbnb investment. Thank you for driving down the road to real estate and enjoy the show. Dion, thanks for joining the podcast. How's it going? Pretty good, Alex. Thanks for having me. No problem. So I want to start off by talking about your first interest in real estate. Okay. Yeah. So I've been in real estate officially since about 2012. I became a realtor in 2014. Um, Before that, I was a television producer. So it was kind of a big career change for me, a midlife career change. Um, But I got interested in real estate, kind of having some proximity to it through one of my friends. Um, His family owned a real estate company and I started working for them doing small projects, which turned into an eventual full-time gig and an eventual license in real estate and eventual um, managing broker's license in real estate and then eventually starting my own brokerage. So um, it's just been an evolution for me over some time, not something that I I think even um, saw myself doing until I started doing it. So, yeah. Now, how was that first transition from... Uh, working in TV to becoming real estate? How how'd that work for you? Well, I've always had a pretty strong sales background, customer service and sales background. My very first job when I was an undergrad, I was working in, at Sprint PCS selling cell phones, outselling um, seasoned um, wireless sales professionals just based upon being able to leverage my network of students and faculty um, even within my part-time position, I was able to do that. So I knew that I was kind of gifted for and had a certain understanding for sales and customer service, marketing. Um, I had some uh, academic background in communication. So I think it, it, was, it was a transition. It required a little bit of a shift um, and a pivot from what I thought I was going to be doing. But once I made the decision that that's what I was going to do and jump full speed ahead, I think it gave me a big advantage to be coming from an industry that's completely different and being able to apply some of the industry standards and practices and um, expectations and professionalism from other industries that I've worked in into real estate. And I think that uh, even now that's kind of one of my um points of competitive advantage that I'm capable of kind of not uh, approaching this real estate business just as a realtor or someone who's only had training in this industry, but really being able to draw from the training and experience I have in other industries as well. Uh, How did you end up start uh, working at the University of Illinois, uh, teaching sales, and what are some of the key points you like to uh, teach to your students? Yeah, okay, so I um, once I decided I wanted to make that career transition, I thought it would have been, it would be wise of me to, you know, couple that with some academic training. So I was, my, um, previously when I was working in television, 
um, and getting into that industry. I was a graduate student at USC um, in, in Annenberg School of Communications. Um, and I was able to really leverage my academic experience and my um, research that I was doing at that time to really excel as a professional in that industry. And I kind of wanted to use that blueprint again. So when I was making the decision that I was gonna make this pivot from working in one industry to a next, um, another, I decided to get an MBA at Geese, um, University of Illinois College of Business. And so making that transition professionally and then also having some of that um, academic foundation in place, I think was really beneficial to me. Like I said, I was able to draw my experiences from different industries, but also my academic experiences to really, um, I think, be more competitive and look at the industry a little bit differently. Um, I, upon graduation, I was teaching some, some classes here and there um, and made some connections on campus that made sense and got really interested and passionate about just connecting with students and um, sharing my experience and hopefully teaching them to do the same thing that I did. Whatever you're doing professionally, couple that with something academic, academically and um, use those things to enhance one another. And there was a position that opened up in the Department of Advertising um, to run their sales program, which was a perfect fit for me with my long-term sales experience um, and my um, academic qualifications. It really felt like it was the perfect opportunity for me at the perfect time. Um, so I applied and I uh, was chosen out of several candidates. Um, and that's been an awesome experience. Like I said, again, it allows me the opportunity to continue to have, you know, this experience in academia, which is completely different from the experience that you may have in industry, but being able to kind of have this perfect marriage between the two and allow each of those to inform each other has been an amazing experience for me. Um, I try and teach my students to not necessarily walk in my footsteps, but to think about how I've been able to leverage academia and industry and how and allow those things to um, benefit one another. So in addition to just learning like some really beneficial and amazing foundations and principles of sales and marketing, also just giving them some career and life advice as well. Now, after a year of working at a brokerage, you decided to start your own. How was that transition from working to owning your own? And the first year, how did that look? Well, it was actually four years. So I was working at an, another brokerage for four years. And I just made the decision one day that um, based upon my commission splits and based upon my, you know, the benefits, one of, one of the big benefits that a lot of um, brokerages trying to offer their agents is marketing and branding. And I really started to consider myself an expert in that in my own way. And I wanted to have more control over that um, personally. So what I decided was like, hey, you know, I'm going to start a brokerage. And this brokerage is going to focus on some of the uh, principles that I have, not only as a real estate agent, but as a marketer. Um, and see how it goes. You know, there's a lot of 
questions. There was a lot of walking into a dark room when I first started and just kind of feeling my way through. Um, but that was okay. You know, I, I always had the approach that worst case scenario, this does not work out as I think it will. And I will always be able to go back to working for someone else or working at one of the big box brokerages. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there's nothing wrong with working for one of the big box brokerages. But for me and what I wanted to do in my own sense of personal expression and my own desire to um, make a mark in our local real estate industry, it was the best move for me to really start my own brokerage. Uh, did you have any uh, mentors to help you out through the first year of starting your own brokerage? I did. I did. So our um, Champaign County Association of Realtors, we have um, an executive who runs our entire association. Um, and she has always mentored me, even just from my very first um, experience with becoming licensed up into up until up into today. Right. She continues to mentor me. Um, and I, I have mentors that are not necessarily in real estate, too, and being able to draw upon their experiences in business, their experiences in entrepreneurship, their experiences in local politics um, has really helped give me a sense of network and community that has provided me with resources that I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. So if there's ever something that I need in my business or some questions that I may have or some resources that I don't have, I know that I have a network of people who either do have those resources, can answer those questions, or they know how to help me attain those resources or answer those questions for me. Yeah. Now, can you talk a little bit more about your business plan at your brokerage? What kind of real estate do you sell? Who do you, who's your target market that you sell to? Yeah, so primarily um, I focus on residential real estate. Uh, at the beginning of the year, we opened a sister company. Um, and so Live Real Estate Group is my brokerage. Our sister company that is underneath the Live Real Estate Group umbrella is CU Property Management, which focuses, focuses primarily on property management. Um, so managing properties, helping tenants find um, homes as well, rentals. Um, so that is primarily what I focus on. As far as target segments, you have to be really careful um, when you're thinking about target segments when you work in real estate because of fair housing laws. So there's a lot of protected classes. And a lot of times when we talk about target segments and target markets, we're talking about people who are in protected classes. So protected classes could include things like gender, race, sex, um, religion, familial status, age, et cetera, right? So we gotta be really careful when we're thinking about, I wanna reach these consumers, I wanna reach these types of consumers. And so what I've really tried to focus on um, in my brokerage is creating a brand, what the brokerage's brand objectives are, are um, and communicating those. And the people who connect with the brokerage, um, tend, that's really what the target segment is the people who are going to connect with some of those brand objectives, which include aspiration, luxury, um, local support, and um, boutique vibes. So yes, there is a target segment, but it's not defined in those traditional ways that I think we're used to defining target segments um, as marketers. 
And like I said, the reason why is because we really do in the real estate industry have to um, adhere to fair housing laws and make sure that we're respecting those things, um, not only just legally, but from a moral standpoint as well. Now, one way to get a lot of clients I know is uh, through social media. Yeah. And you were one of the first people to do that in the Champaign area. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what strategies you used uh, through social media? Yeah, so what I did that worked really well for me it was just give people an authentic um, experience, give them access to who I am um, as a person, what I'm interested in. So I like to cook. I love to travel. Um I love uh, my family and my friends. I love to host and entertain. So letting people have a glimpse into my life outside of just the real estate aspect, which again, a lot of my company and um, the brokerage and my personal brand um, as a real estate agent is born out of authentic parts of my personality, right? So I think that that's been really helpful in making sure that people understand in addition to the person that I am, I also um, own and run a local real estate agency that's one of the few um, woman-owned and operated real estate agencies in this area, one of the few owned and operated Black-owned um, real estate brokerages in this area. So I think people are able to really appreciate that. And the social media aspect gives them an avenue and um, to get to know me, but without having to necessarily constantly feel like they're being I'm being salesy or I'm selling something to them. And the biggest thing with an entrepreneur is time management. We oh. hear from everybody. Uh, you, how do you balance working with university, uh, your brokerage and your personal investments? How do you balance all that time? Yeah. So I think it's really just about saying yes when you can say yes. Um, saying no when you have to say no. And you know, being realistic about what you can take on and sometimes even being unrealistic about what you can take on because you surprise yourself sometimes. Um, so for me, I do a lot of time blocking. So there's just certain times of my day that I use for certain, certain things. Um, I also have adopted a, um, a philosophy of not being reactive, right? So in, in every industry that I've ever been in, um, people expect you to be reactive to what their needs are. And what I do is I... I can't do that, right? So if I receive an email from someone who wants something from me right now, I have to make, I have to prioritize that based upon what it is that, um, how I see it, right? Not necessarily based upon how other people see it or what their needs are so that I can make sure that I'm operating um, at my most efficient, I have to be able to prioritize things as they make sense to me and not being reactive, not just, constantly putting out fires, but kind of being proactive and thinking about, you know, what I'm going to need to do next week. And then three weeks from now and six months from now and starting to work on those things now. So they're not constantly reacting to things. Uh, do you have any future plans uh, for your brokerage? Anything exciting? Yeah. So um, hopefully in the next 18 to 24 months, opening another, um, another um, something else under the umbrella, which would focus primarily on commercial real estate. Um, primarily, probably a lot, of, a lot more commercial real estate property management. Um, 
also hiring new agents. So right now it is me and my assistant in my office. Um, so I'm hoping to start recruiting and hiring new agents. I'm currently working on a sales training and compensation plan for that. So um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm feeling good about that. Um, one of the things that I do can I do constantly think about as as I'm expanding to make sure that I'm staying true to some of the key brand objectives that I have within the brokerage. So not necessarily trying to be the biggest brokerage in town, but being a brokerage that is local and appreciates um, some of the key cornerstones, points, and objectives that um, cause me to start Live Real Estate Group to begin with. I want to segue into uh, Airbnbs because this is uh, part of real estate investing that not a lot of people know about yet. And you've actually started uh, doing Airbnb uh, real estate. If you want to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. So last year I bought my first Airbnb property, which was something I was kind of hesitant to do because Airbnb, when you get into it, there's a lot of sunk costs. So like when you first invest in it, you have to put all of this money into furnishing it all of this money into just providing all of these small little amenities, right? Like from furniture, obviously, but it gets down to like sheets on the bed and um, toothbrush, extra toothbrushes, hair ties, uh, feminine products, strainers in the kitchen. You literally have to furnish this house and offer a lot of amenities. So that was something that I was a little hesitant to do because I didn't I, my investments historically haven't necessarily been about, um, um, haven't required that amount of investment. So I was able to find something that I felt like was close to campus. So the area was great. And excuse me, ugh, the area was great. Thank you. And I, thank you. I thought it was going to be, I thought it was a marketable location, which was really important for me, making sure, I think that when you're looking to invest in Airbnb, the location is above everything. I see other people get into Airbnbs and they do a great job furnishing them and making them really cute. Their pricing is great, but the problem is, is that it's in a location that no one who's visiting the area is going to want to stay in. So I have the instincts to know that people who come to this area are coming for a few reasons, but the biggest reason that people come to this area is a, a university affiliation, right? So I knew that I needed to be within five to 10 minutes of the university. Um, and the closer we could be to five, the better without necessarily being on campus. So the location for the Airbnb really worked. Um, it was in disrepair when I, when I purchased it, um, but the price point was right. So I knew that a couple things. I knew that I could purchase this, purchase this, look, this uh, property, invest the money into it to repair it, invest the money into it to furnish it for Airbnb, and, st and still have equity in the home, right? So um, I knew that that was going to make, make sense for me. So I was able to purchase this property for just under 70 grand. I invested um, $23,000 into it, which was pretty much a deal. Again, help, I was able to leverage some of my um, relationships in town to get the things done that needed to be done there. Um, and then I invested in furnishing it about, I would say probably about $5,400. And that's like furnishing it, all of the amenities, everything. Um, so that put me just 
under 30K in investment, 70K on the purchase. So we're about 100K and then it recently appraised for just over 140. So I knew that regardless of how this whole investment turned out, I had a couple of options. I could either rent it, do a traditional rental, um, make a little bit less money um, or sell it and get my cash back out or refinance, right? Where I can refinance for 80% of the appraised value. And that's still, that gives me all of my investment back and allows me to free up some of that um, liquid cash to do some other things. Um, and that was the avenue that I chose to go, was just to refinance at 80% of the appraised value so that I can free up that liquid and just do, do another investment. But um, the other good thing about the refi is you don't, you don't pay taxes on your on your cash out when you refi. So it really is great for people who are trying to do one investment and then do another one and then do another one. Um, as far as the success of the Airbnb, it's been astonishing. I was not expecting it to be so great. Um, making sure that I was close to campus was definitely a major key. My very first weekend I was open was Dad's Day weekend, immediately booked. Um, I made about six grand in less than 30 days of being open, which was great. Um, if I had rented that place, I probably would have maxed out at about $1,200 in a month. The other great thing about Airbnb is the wear and tear on the place is a lot less. So the maintenance is a lot less. So you don't have your tenants calling you and saying, hey, the dryer's out or like um, the, the, the pilot lights out on the hot water heater. And those are like small expenses that can add up over time. Um, so Airbnb really kind of, because people are literally there to just sleep a lot of times, maybe shower, the wear and tear on the property is so much lower. So the um, maintenance piece of owning an Airbnb is a lot less as well. So it's been great so far. There have been months like January, I had not a single booking, but now that we're starting to warm back up, Mom's Day weekend is this weekend. So I do have a booking um, tomorrow. Things are getting really hot for the summer too. People are already trying to graduation week. I have a booking for 4,700 bucks for just one week. So it can be, it can fluctuate, but I've definitely, I definitely will keep that as an Airbnb as you know, even in my first year, most people say it doesn't start getting really consistent and lucrative until your second year. Um, I've made substantially more money than I would have in a traditional rental. And how does it work uh, having to deal with Airbnb? Has have there been any problems with the splits uh, or anything else with them? Um, not really. The Airbnb splits are definitely, <laughs> they're definitely a they're steep. So like I'll get a booking in and it shows you that the um, guest has paid $1,500 and then Airbnb will send you like $9.78. And I'm like, wow. Okay. So what I, what I do is when my guests come, I leave um, information in the Airbnb about me as a real estate agent and that if they ever want to rebook the property, they can contact me directly to do so. And I think because I'm a real estate agent and I have a brokerage and a property management company, a lot of people are more comfortable doing that too. Um, so I've advised some of my other folks who've gotten into real estate is rather than saying, hey, contact me directly, right? Um, they could do that through my company and, you know, we'll manage their Airbnb um, or their vacation rental guests as well. 
Um, one of the benefits of booking directly through Airbnb is if something goes wrong, you do have that insurance that way. But I also have renter's insurance on my Airbnb. It's actually a vacation rental insurance specifically for um, that sort of investment um, that I could also draw on as well. So do you see yourself ever buying a traditional rental after this uh, discovering what an Airbnb uh, business looks like? Yeah, I will absolutely always have um, a diverse portfolio as far as it com comes to my real estate investments. As much as I love Airbnb, there I do have some traditional rentals that I think help stabilize the portfolio a lot. And again, I am not an economist or a financial planner or any of those things, but just looking at the trends um, over the last 12 to 18 months and just seeing the way things are going and having um, a property management company and seeing how rental prices are continuing to increase, I think that having a diverse portfolio and having some of those traditional rentals in addition to Airbnbs is going to be the way to go for me personally. That's what makes the most sense for me. That's what I feel um, the most comfortable with because like I said, it will stay, stabilize the portfolio overall. Um, in our area, we've seen, like I said, so much appreciation in rentals and just like the cost of rent has gone up significantly over the 12, last 12 months. You can, there's lots of records to prove that. Um, I think the average, while homes and home sales in this area, the uh, prices in this area have gone up between 11 and 15%, rentals are going up between 15 and 20%. So Yes, Airbnb is great. Um, you do make significantly more money, but I do think if you want a more stable portfolio, having a mixture of both is good. And the last question I ask in every podcast is, uh, if you could give one piece of advice to your 18-year-old self, what would it be? Um, invest in real estate. <laughs> As soon as you can and as early as you can, find a good real estate investment. If you can, um, you know, if you think you're going to be somewhere for a while, if you can partner with your parents or an uncle or an aunt or someone else who kind of gets the real estate game and it's something that they're interested in and you can invest in real estate um, in any capacity that you can. Make sure that it makes sense. Make sure it's a sound investment. Don't buy the first piece of property that you see, but get yourself involved in some real estate. Own some real estate. It is, it is the most stable and um, tried and true investment that you can make. And having that will um, change your life financially. It'll give you so many more options um, as you move on with your life. A lot of people think that real estate is a fixed investment and it is just based upon you know, it is where it is, it, but you don't have, you're not tied to where your real estate is. You can have real estate all over the country. And the sooner you can start building a real estate portfolio, the better. Well, thank you so much. Is there any way uh, people can contact you on social media to look, look up yeah. your, your maybe real estate company or anything? Yeah. So you can follow uh, me on Instagram, my hashtag or my, my hashtag, my handle is just my personal last name, Dion Clifton. Um, and then you can also follow my real estate brokerage, Live Real Estate Group on Instagram. Um, and yeah, that's how you get all the cool updates. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It was great to have you on and uh, we'll talk to you later. Thank you, Alex. I appreciate it.